0: Hi, ladies. How are you guys? Hey. 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 <laughs> this is so weird. What are we doing? We're meeting for usual, but we're not recording an episode.
1: What? What?
0: Craziness. So what are we listening to today? We are listening to a bonus episode. Yeah. Bonus. <laughs> that we recorded back in June. Oh,
2: my God. Way so back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, the conception of of our little baby. So this is actually a test episode that we recorded to kind of... To see if we were any good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So we sent this out to a bunch of our friends for feedback, and we got some really great notes. Yes. And decided we wanted to share this episode with you guys. And since October has an
1: extra week in the month, might as well share with all of you and hope you guys enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So go listen to meteorologist Dave Santana. Enjoy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is... Are, are these books, books drunk? drunk?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. Oh man. <laughs> Good start. I'm Brandy, I'm Emma,
1: and I'm Mariana, and we are girlfriends coming to you from three different boroughs in NYC: Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. For over 4 years now, we have loved getting together for cocktails and conversation. Our meetups turn epic since we are passionate women. Yes, we are. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. But due to the pandemic, we've come up with a new way to connect while inspiring one another. And even though we are different, we find common ground in our friendship. We hear each other.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. And now you hear us too. Ah. (laughs) This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. So each episode, we'll discuss a book and a cocktail we've paired with it so that you can read along and sip along with us. Today, we're talking about the short story Meteorologist Dave Santana from the short story collection Man vs. Nature by Diane Cook. It's the story of Janet, a passionate, opinionated high school teacher who lives life on her own terms and has a growing obsession. With Dave Santana, the meteorologist who gives weather reports on the news. He also happens to be Janet's next-door neighbor. Hmm. Despite the few passionate moments Janet ropes him into, Dave marries and has a family with another woman, and Janet has a few lovers, but her mind seemingly remains hung up on Dave, right up to the very end, years later, when she meets Dave Santana's five-year-old daughter and muses to herself that she could trap him by getting pregnant. Or heck, she could also just propose having a baby with her current boyfriend over their dinner of wine and roast chicken.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the specifics of that. Wine I chicken. <laughs> Speaking of wine, yeah. uh, I'm pretty excited for our paired cocktail today because the title is just too perfect. Our cocktail for today's episode is called Damn the Weather. I mean, hello. <laughs> aside <Damn it. laughs> aside from the fitting title, this cocktail features gin as our main spirit, which we find out is Janet's alcohol of choice that she uses to lure Dave into her house for their first rendezvous. Ooh. We also felt—notice mm-hmm, I said first. Mm-hmm. We also <laughs> felt that damn the weather is something Janet would say to all of her peers who keep berating her for wearing slippers in the winter an odd but true statement that occurs several times throughout the story. Mm-hmm. The traditional version of the cocktail doesn't feature any element of spiciness, but our bartender in residence thought this drink needed a touch of spice because the story gets so damn hot and spicy. Here to share the recipe for our version of the drink, we have our official, unofficial bartender in lockdown, a.k.a. my husband, Ricardo. Ricardo! Woo-hoo!
1: Ricardo!
3: Hi everyone, the cocktail of the day is called Damn the Weather and it's a prohibition-era cocktail. For this cocktail, we're gonna need four ingredients and a chilled martini glass. The first ingredient, of course, is always ice in our shaker. The second ingredient is an ounce of gin, then half an ounce of orange juice, or for this twist, we're gonna use grapefruit juice quarter of an ounce of triple sec and a quarter of an ounce of sweet vermouth. We're going to shake all our ingredients very strongly and pour the liquid into the martini glass. As a finisher, and as a finisher, we can uh, actually use a tajin rim on the glass to add some spicy taste Ooh, to the cocktail. Yes, yummy. And enjoy the cocktail.
1: Ooh. Gracias, Ricardo. <laughs>
3: Bye, everyone. Bye.
2: Bye. Okay, you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. Woo. Mm. Oh, wow. Woo. She's strong. I'm really glad we did this with grapefruit. I'm glad Ricardo suggested that because it has such a nice sort of earthiness on the finish. Yeah.
1: It's so refreshing, the, right? Especially for the summer. I think this is a perfect summer cocktail.
0: Oh, yes. And it's kind of like a nice twist of Negroni, too. Mm.
2: It has, features yeah. some of the elements. It's bitter. It's tart. And it's interesting. I don't usually like Negronis because of that bitterness. But mm-hmm. I think the grapefruit in this, that tartness, yeah. like Mariana said, for the summer, it's just so nice. It is. Well, well, guys, Janet could ran. definitely lure me in with this string. It's <laughs> <Ooh, you laughs> <saucy laughs> we'll pretty
1: smooth, ladies.
2: Which brings me to the first question that I have for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this story doesn't follow a traditional arc. It feels like more of a it feels like to me more of a character study of Janet than anything else. Mm-hmm. So Janet is a high school teacher who, as the book says, has even designed special after-school sex ed classes just for girls. If it meant a lesson in the perfect blow job so sex was unnecessary or inventive ways to put on a condom so that it seemed like a treat to wear one, (laughs) tips on how to be the seducer so as to control the proceedings, be the parent signing off on birth control, why not? She felt they were all her daughters. So when I first read that quote, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> she can't do this. She'll get fired. Right. But as I let it marinate a little bit, I was like, wait a minute. Is she actually being pretty progressive in what she's teaching them? I kept feeling myself judge her mm-hmm. because her nature is so contrary to what we get taught as women is like, OK, or acceptable. Sure, But actually, is Janet, in your opinion, a bad guy or is she a badass? So, guys, I think that she's
1: definitely progressive. I think she is a badass. As soon as Mm -hmm. I read kind of the intro to who she was or who she is as a teacher, I was like, I wish I had this teacher when I was in high school. Because I feel that they don't implement sex education as early as they need to. And I think the way she was doing this totally empowered these young girls to see sex for what it is and to give them the power to protect themselves and feel safe if they want to take on sex earlier than they should.
2: It also... Out of curiosity... Sure. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say out of curiosity, because you were saying that you don't think high schools or schools in general maybe implement sex ed early enough. I'm curious, did did either of your moms tackle that subject? And like at what age yeah, I was, was that? You just read my mind because that's what I was going into. <laughs>
1: so when I was 15, it was the summer going into my sophomore year of college. I mean, college, high school. Uh, (laughs) That's too way too (laughs) late. She was a child (laughs) genius. (laughs) I ended up meeting an older man at the time because he was 21. I was 15. He was the nephew of one of my mom's really good friends. We started dating and it became pretty serious very quickly. I think it was the most serious relationship I had had ever. And my parents had Aside from
3: your
0: husband.
1: Of course. Aside from my (laughs) husband. When I was a youngin', (laughs) that was my most serious relationship. And my parents had honestly had always been very open and honest about sex. And you know, we 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 were very good about talking about, you know, the pros and cons. But one morning I wake up, I go to my own bathroom, I open the drawer to my bathroom, and they were there was a box of condoms in my drawer. (gasps) So it was kind of my mom saying, you don't need to know. We love you. We totally understand and will be with you along the way. We we think that you're smart enough to make your own decisions and we will be there for you.
2: So here you go. Wow. I support that move. My mom had the talk with me when I was like seven. (gasps) Wow. That's...
0: We Earlier. were watching
2: Look Who's Talking. <laughs> and you know, do you guys know Look Who's Talking uh, yeah. at the beginning? Of course. It's like animated, you know, the, the egg and like there's little sperms yeah. trying to get to the egg or whatever. And they're talking. And my mom literally hit pause, <gasps> turned to me and my little sister. I think my sister must have been like five or six at the time. And I was maybe seven or eight. And she was like, we haven't done this yet. And she full on talked about how it works. And at seven or eight years old, she was like, "If you guys ever need condoms, like, I don't want you having sex, but you need to come to me if you need con. I will get you condoms." Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think she just she clearly was just really worried about us and like wanted to make sure that at eight years old, yeah, she's like, you guys understood
0: now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: She was like, "Let's just get this conversation done early." Yeah. So. Good for her.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I didn't really have that
0: conversation with my parents, which is interesting because my mom is really progressive and she's. Yeah. I've never viewed her as someone that was uncomfortable to talk about anything with anyone really, but she gave me books. (laughs) So. I, l- I feel your like mom. I learned right. <laughs> she was like, "Read on it." Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect audience for our podcast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. But Inform I do, yourself. But I do, Mariana. I do agree. I think I. But well, I agree with both of you because I did also find myself going back and forth a lot about whether I liked Janet or didn't like Janet, whether I thought she was a bad guy or a badass. Ultimately, I do agree that she is a badass because she really does own her sexuality and Mm -hmm. her independence, and she never apologizes for it. But the fact that she is having an affair with a married man, and a married man whose wife is pregnant nonetheless, okay, spoiler alert, (laughs) like, I just can't condone that. Like, you suck. Oh, absolutely. So...
2: Well here's my question for you though on that. Like, do you and this is this is maybe just like parsing things more than we need to, but who's the fault with? Is it with Janet? Is it with Dave? Dave's the one with the Totally. I guess I'm just I feel like from Janet's perspective, and I'm not saying I'm taking her side on this, I'm just curious because I do feel like from Janet's perspective, in some ways, she was she was trying to do a service. Like, his wife is pregnant, and they're not having sex, and I do feel like there was a part of him that thought that's what was happening, is, like, she's just providing him a service, and then he's going to go back to his normal life. Wait, 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 wait.
0: (laughs) Brandy. (laughs) Wait, so you think that it's like fine that she was like, oh, you're sad that your wife is pregnant. You can just like get it off with me six times
2: to like feel better. I'm That's not what saying- I'm hearing. I'm not saying that I would find that okay. Like, if my husband did that, no, we'd be done. But I'm saying from Janet's perspective and from Dave's perspective, like, I don't think he thought he was carrying on an affair. I don't think he planned for this to be an ongoing thing. I think he just thought, I need to get off. We haven't had sex in however many months. This woman is sort of offering herself to me. Like, maybe I can just do this quickly, be done with it. And that seemed to be what she was offering as far as he was concerned. And then he's going back to his happy little life because he loves his wife.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Brandy, in that sense. I think it was it, it's a two-way street. Like, both of them are at fault. And one thing, one question is... Talking just about Janet and what she was doing with her students. I think another question is what she did in her private life towards like getting into that relationship with Dave. So I think it's kind of, we kind of have to differentiate like those two sides of her because I really do think she seemed to me to be such a free woman and Mm -hmm. she did what she wanted, which comes to the duality of the responses that she was getting from her students versus the responses that she was getting from her colleagues. The women. Her female colleagues at school, I even wrote a quote that Janet thought they didn't know how to be around me because I was someone with no secret shame, no guilt, no trauma and no uh, self-hatred,
2: which I think that's
1: extremely powerful as a woman to feel that she doesn't have any shame. She doesn't feel any guilt and she's going to do what she wants no matter Unfortunately, no matter what the repercussions, so then we get into the whole affair. But being so empowered as a woman yeah. is a really powerful thing to own.
2: And interestingly, on that note, I did notice that, you know, as, as obsessed with Dave Santana as Janet is, she could go wreck his marriage. Mm-hmm. She could absolutely go knock next door on Meredith's door and say, hey, we did this. Right. Totally. But she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She and she doesn't want to do it that way. And I found that a really curious thing about her is, like, she's not really a homewrecker. Yeah, she's yes, not she malicious. Sleep with a married- no. Yeah. It's more of her
0: selfish needs of, like, needing Dave and only Dave. Mm-hmm. Because she can, she and she does, sleep with other men. But for her, it's, like, Dave or the highway. <laughs>
2: Right. Well, and she even talks about another man who she was sleeping with who she discovers later is married. And she didn't know at the time that they were having their
1: little tryst.
2: She didn't know he was married. But again, she's not upset by that. It doesn't really phase her in any way. She just, like, oh, later I realized he had a wife. And, like, okay, well, like, whatever, it's done. There doesn't seem to be any sort of cling. In that way, she's not Mm -hmm. looking to. She's not looking to ruin anybody's life.
1: It's not that she's specifically looking for those men who are already already tied down to go after them. It's more of the obsession of the man that she then finds out that has someone, and the other man who this man decided to not even tell her that he had somebody else. So I think in that respect, they're more at fault than she is to a certain degree because her relationship with Dave started before Meredith came into the picture. His as far as we know. As far as we know.
2: What do you mean? Well, to hear Janet tell it, like there's just kind of this woman whose car is showing up every once in a while in his driveway. She doesn't know that it's his wife. Well, and we don't know when they started dating. You know what I mean? As for for all we know, that first time he sleeps with Janet, he could have been dating Meredith. Then we don't really know when Meredith comes into the picture. Mm, interesting point. Yeah, we just know sort of when she like moves in, and then right when they're pregnant and married, all in one go, and when they Janet move out has no <laughs> yeah. yeah right, and when they move out because Janet has her own sort of idea of what's going on. Right. Hmm. She's a complicated lady. She is. Yeah, and I definitely found myself going back and forth throughout the story, and then I feel like. All week, you know, from when we read it to now when we're recording this, I feel like all week I kind of kept cycling through these different ideas of who she is. Is she good? Is she bad? She just has a lot going on and she contradicts herself a lot, I feel like. There are a lot of contradictions to her.
0: Yeah. Huh.
2: That's um
0: that's interesting that you say contradiction, because that mm-hmm. was a huge question or theme that I kept coming Back to when I was reading the story, her contradiction between her, um, like, independence, mm. feminist side and mm-hmm. her sexual prowess side.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, something – I wrote down this quote because this really stuck with me. Janet says, in her first moment of intimacy – well, more like intense sexual affair than an intimate moment with Dave. (laughs) uh, She wanted him to note how vulnerable she could make herself. Then he could decide to protect her or fuck her. And that really stuck with me because that duality made me think of all the time that I've spent questioning my own womanhood in that contradiction between being a woman who does like to feel protected at times and also owning my sexuality and not being ashamed of it it's the same struggle that I grapple with when it comes to being a feminist, right? Like, I consider myself a strong, right. independent woman who can open my own door. But if I'm with a man and he doesn't offer to open it first, I clock that. Yeah, and I he think, better.
1: And I think that's <laughs> really <should>. interesting.
0: Because <laughs> if I'm so strong about the fact that I can do it, then why do I even clock the fact that he's not doing it for me? So, I don't know, do either of you feel that contradiction of... Mm. Being, like, a fierce, independent, strong woman or just being a woman in general?
1: Absolutely. I I think I've gone through that, yeah, since I can remember. Especially because I do come from a Hispanic, a Colombian background. Yeah. It's mm. very... The emphasis of tradition and what our culture means to us, which it has to do a lot with male dominance. And the the mm. female is the subordinate. The female is the housewife. She's the caretaker. She's going to be the one that becomes the mother. She's the one that takes care of the household while the man goes out and makes a living. I grew huh. up that way. Even though what's, what was so interesting in, in my household, being an only child, my mom, she made the decision having me So early on in her life to stick around and stay at the house, wait on her ambitions, hold back on then continuing with her career because her passion at that point in her life in her youth was to be my mother and was to be there for her husband, which I thought that was such a beautiful thing for her to do. And it was such a it's just it, it, it comes from her personality. It's what she wanted to do. It was a choice that she made. And what was most beautiful about that is when I went to college, she went to college. We actually graduated oh and gosh. received our bachelor's degree within 15 days from one another. No oh my
2: god. So she so How cute. great it was that. How old was she Mariana?
1: So she was I was when I graduated at 22, so she was 42. Oh,
0: when she graduated from goodness. college. Dang.
1: And and I find that to be incredible because she knew exactly what she wanted. So she wasn't like your typical 20-year-old that goes off or 18-year-old that goes off to college still trying to figure out what they want for the rest of their life. She Mm -hmm. was so adamant. I want to go into special education. I want to teach ESOL classes. I want to be there for the future of America. Mm. And that's what she did. And then she went on and got her master's. So That's seeing amazing. that just showed me that I have a choice. I can decide whether or not follow yeah. through with tradition and be an independent woman at the same time. And then coming to New York and being here for over half of my life, I feel that I've, I've, I have both things. I know what tradition is like, but I also know what an independent, career-driven, ambitious, passionate woman could be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But we have the choice to do so.
2: Yes. But we have the does choice. Andrew open doors for you? He, is the question. He does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he I still love that. I thought so.
3: I thought so. He's Italian
1: Irish. <laughs> She's being a good Italian Irish
2: boy. Come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Because his mama taught him right. Yes, I Emma, yeah. I love this question. Um, it's funny, because Jason and I have actually been having this. I won't call it an argument because it's not, but he conversation. Yeah, it's just a conversation we've been having. He wants to be that nice guy who like opens the door for me, uh, and and like truth be told, you guys know I'm from the south. I'm also from a Mexican family. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. I think it's sweet. Yeah. The problem is, I also like to hold the door open for people mm-hmm. because I just think it's nice. You know, it's just like a kind thing to do. Yeah. So anytime I'm approaching a door, I'm sort of already positioning myself to hold it open for whoever's behind me. Mm -hmm. And Jason doesn't quite think ahead that far. So he's not putting himself in position as soon as I am. So what Mm -hmm. ends up happening is we're approaching a door and I'm already sort of putting myself in place to open it. And then he'll kind of look at me like, really? Like, I should be the one doing that. But then I kind of make him feel like the asshole who has to just like walk through the door that his wife is holding open for him so we've had this conversation enough times now that it gets to the point that I'm walking up to a door and I'll sort of start to make that move and then my brain's like oh no don't do that and so then I'll just like awkwardly stand in front of the door and wait for him to catch up to me until he opens the door and I can
0: walk I know that exact move that you're talking about It's so premeditated.
2: It's so, it's so awkward, but at the same time, like, it's so sweet that he wants to do that. He wants to do that. Yeah. I have to say, though, and Emma, I want your perspective on this because you said it when you were posing this question. I really despise the argument, and maybe I just don't understand it, but I really despise the argument of, like, I'm a feminist. I can open my own door Mm -hmm. because, like, yeah, of course you can, like. We all have arms like no nobody's disputing that you can open your own door. Right. Equal rights. I can open doors. (laughs) Yeah. Like I like to have a door open for me. That doesn't mean that I want him to be making more money than I make it work when we're doing the same job or whatever. Right. What is that for you that feels like if he opens the door for you or if you let him open the door for you, then somehow you're like lesser or you're putting yourself in a in a position of being weaker?
1: Mm.
0: I don't know that I do necessarily feel that way, though. It's just kind of like a moment that I clock. Hmm. Like, I I don't feel like if he opens the door first that he's saying that I am less than. I don't feel that at all. It's, um, It's kind of like the same mentality of, like, men picking up the check at restaurants, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we have this feeling that at least for the first date, like, the man has to pick up the check. And I just find it fascinating because there is still a part of me that feels like, yeah, on the first date, he should get the check. I'll always offer. I will always reach for my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I'll always offer, you know what I mean? But then, like, the second date, I'll get the check, you know? Like, just to be like, I don't need you to be... I, I don't, you need don't need you to be to get taken it care of. Exactly. Although when I'm sick, like that's all I want—like wait on me I, hand and foot, you oh, know. Of course. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like when he gets the door, I, I <laughs> as feel like should. less of a person. I don't think that's what being a feminist. I'm. I, I still struggle with what a definition of a feminist looks like. Yeah, I agree mm. with you. Mm. But I do feel that Janet is kind of a good exemplar of that in the sense that she understands what women need mm-hmm. starting at a young age mm-hmm. by educating girls as to not being afraid of sex, mm-hmm. not feeling like they have to have it because their partner wants them to, letting them know that it's okay for them to enjoy it. I think those are elements of feminism that that we that get lost.
1: That I... Th- yeah, I think ultimately it is a juggling act for, for mm-hmm. a female. It's, it's going back and forth as to what, what your believes are. But I think it all comes down to being respected mm. as a woman, but not as a woman, as a human being, and that we're capable human beings. So it's it's the notion of just being accepted to be equal then instead of a subordinate.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: it, it all comes down to to that. Overall, I
2: agree. And I think what I loved about what Janet sort of does with her after school, you know, her after hours class, <laughs> is that she puts the power in the hands of these girls. Yes. I think yes. a lot of the time, girls, especially at that age, they're teenagers. They're you know, the the stuff that we're fed is that, you know. Don't let boys, they just want to get in your pants. Don't let them force you. Mm-hmm. You know, the at a certain on a certain date, boys are going to expect this this and this or like good girls do this stuff, bad girls do that stuff. And you know, it goes it goes on and on and on the sort of stuff that gets fed to us. But I love that Janet teaches these girls to tackle sex from a position of power. She almost teaches them to tackle it in the same way that boys are, which is on the offensive, not the defensive. Yeah, you you wrote that as a quote that I loved. Oh,
0: tips on how to be the seducer, so mm-hmm. as to control the proceedings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she says that seductress is her middle name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: she owns that. Did he... And she does get it. Even when she gets a married guy who wants nothing to do with her, she <laughs> fucking gets her guy. Yeah. Like she
1: makes it happen. Did you guys also notice though, with these girls, there was some point at the beginning when the, the introduction of her relationship with her students that she said, and if one of these students did end up getting pregnant, that it would be a disappointment for her because at her teachings or her in, what she was trying to implement and, and for them to see was it really working out. So Mm -hmm. I think that there was a part of her that was very maternal, even though that she didn't necessarily realize that that was really part of her essence. And Ah. that brings me to a point that I wanted to ask you guys, because later on in the story, uh, it's actually after a few years of not seeing Dave. I believe Mm -hmm. it was around six years or so. Janet runs into him and his daughter Hannah at a diner. Mm -hmm. And then this unexpected and undesired run-in propels Janet to question, possibly for the first time ever, her idea of motherhood. I I wrote down a quote. She said that she assumed what life had to offer would require compromises. And a child had always felt like the biggest compromise. So I'm going to pose this to you. Do you guys agree or disagree with her? Is having a child the biggest compromise? Or do we allow ourselves to change our minds along the way, especially being so career-driven and being and trying to be such independent women? Or was your mind set that way from the get-go?
0: The first thing that comes to my mind when I hear your question is that having a child should never be a compromise. Mm. I think... Yeah. You have to really be clear about that from the beginning and hold on to that. Like, if you don't want kids, I think being bullied into having them is like one of the worst things that you can do for your relationship, for your kid and for yourself. Like people thought that I was crazy, but, you know, I've always known that I've wanted to have kids since I was like you know, five. Like, I've just had this <laughs> oh my <God>. crazy maternal <laughs> mama Emma. urge. Yeah, I was like, yes, I will have kids. Oh. And and that has remained true. And the older that I got, you know, my friends thought that I was insane, but I would go on, like, first or second dates with guys, and <gasps> I would bring up the element of kids because I was no. like, yes. I said, I want to know right now because, like, I'm not going to waste my time. Like, if you don't want kids, I'm not going to. There's no point in me entertaining this. Wow! And, oh my goodness! And I'm proud of that. You know, good for my, you, Emma. My girlfriends thought, "Oh my god, you brought up children like before the first ten dates," and I was like, "Absolutely, I'm not wasting my time." So, I hold steady in the opinion that I don't think that having kids should ever be a compromise.
1: Period. <laughs> and and my follow up question to you is, oh yes, if it's not a if it's not a compromise, if that's when it comes to your independence, and since the three of us are so career driven, yeah, what's your notion on when to become a mom or if if that's oh. if if, oh. if if that will take precedence? <laughs>
2: <laughs> mariana you are sorry outdoors. mariana wants a calendar she wants like a well, i game. just i just want to dive
1: deep ladies let's just go for it what, what,
2: what's she wants to make sure is? you have a plan Emma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i did i used to have a timeline you know i thought that i would have kids by 28 and i was like yeah i'll have multiple kids by the time i'm like 35 but clearly oh, that didn't my work goodness. out well, but when you're young, 28 seems old. Like my parents That's got true. married at 28. So I sure. thought that by me having kids at 28, that was more progressive. Like, no, I'm, mm. I'm waiting. Mm. Um, come to find out the timeline really is very unhelpful. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a loaded <laughs> question, lady, because I think about this more often than I'd like to admit.
2: Oh well, drink. A- take
1: another
0: sip of your cocktail
2: okay, before you tell us. <laughs> I will too. I'm
0: gonna take another one. <laughs> no, oh uh, I think it's I think it's a tricky thing for any woman to figure out is the timing of when having kids is right for them. But I do feel like there's something ultra specific in that when you're in the arts mm-hmm. when you do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um because I've kind of had the notion that it wouldn't be fair to have kids before my career is somewhere stable enough.
1: I'm right there with you, girl.
0: I know. <laughs> um, that, like, I want to be able to devote all of my time and attention in the beginning anyway to having a child and being the best parent I can be
1: mm-hmm.
0: without losing myself and my career. Mm-hmm. And not wanting to, like, put a pause on that. And on my career, I mean. Of course. Um, and I just kind of came to realize that it happens when it happens. And, like, having kids does not mean that your career ends. Yeah. And, yes, you might put it on a hiatus for a minute. But mm-hmm. that's not to say that you can't come back to that. Absolutely. And I thought for so long that that was the case. Um, so now I'm kind of a little more trusting that mm-hmm. it will happen when it happens. Yes. And my career will follow suit as it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to give that up once I become a mom because I think that would make me worse of a mom to, like, let go yeah. of something that makes me so happy and, of like, is my, is my soul, you know? Yeah. so It's who you and
1: are. it's not Can healthy we...
2: for your kids to see that either. No. If your exactly. kids see that you've given something up like that, that's not good for them. No. And I've seen, I've
0: I've been lucky to have really good role models in my life where mm. I've seen women that are brilliant and successful actors that have kids. Super and women. Super women. Any woman that is a mom, regardless of if you're working or not, I think is a super woman. A- but,
1: Absolutely.
0: But I see, I see the struggles in it, but I also see how it works. You know, you figure it out as you do in any career. You find a balance. And if you're lucky enough to have a partner that can help then you take the help when you can and if not you make it work but I'm trying not to like get into territory about things I don't know about I just took several sips of this (laughs) drink and I, I feel like i'm just it. talking in circles so
2: i would like to pass the torch
0: <laughs> <laughs> randy let
2: tell us tell us what you're i don't feel like i need to say anything about this you guys know this about me my mind has ma- been made up about this since i was born i think i came out of the womb <laughs> knowing that kids weren't for me yeah um but what I, what I will say what I loved about Janet towards the end of the book is how easily she came to terms with the fact that she might want to change her mind
1: mm-hmm.
2: about having kids because I do think it's something that is so personal. Yes. And you know I'm I'm somebody who's always been pretty vocal about the fact that I don't want kids and it's yes it's something that I've had family members be like, "Oh, you'll change your mind. You'll I decide was you say... want them." Do you get pushback on that a lot? Every freaking time I say it. Because at this point, you know, I'm practically a spinster, even though I'm married. Like, I've got cousins who had kids when they were 22. And here I am. I'm 35. And I still don't have them. And I still don't want them. But every time I say that, even just the other day, I was telling my mom, I was like, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I wish I had a backyard. Because if I had a backyard, I would have adopted three more dogs. (laughs) And my mom literally, my own mother, Mm -hmm. said to me, why don't you just have a baby? (gasps) And I was like, because I don't want a baby. I I want a freaking dog. (laughs) They're two different things. If you want me to raise a baby like like I'd raise a dog, then (laughs) we can try that and it'll go live with you after it's two years old or whatever it is. But I just love that for Janet, her mindset about mm-hmm. things is so flexible. Yes. She's not rigid about yes. anything. No. She sort of accepts that she'll be whoever she's going to be hmm. because she decides that, you know, that's what's right for her in the moment. Coming full circle to her being a badass. Yes. Yeah. She
1: she does she, what she wants. How she yeah, feels. She's like
2: a force of frickin' nature. She sort of seems to be unboggled by that sort of, that weird self-talk thing that we all do where we get really self-conscious and in our heads. She, like, doesn't have that filter. No. I can only imagine how amazing it would be if
1: I didn't have that self-talk on a daily basis. Exactly. If, like, all those, that voice was just out of the way and I could do my thing own who I am and not worry about any exterior judgment and just go with the exactly. flow. Exactly, That would be exactly. so incredible.
0: <laughs> but she's still I still feel like there's like an incredible insecurity about her. Do you feel that? With relationships. <laughs> or more. Kind of in general. I don't know. Like. Specifically I, I with I do Dave. feel like she's a badass, but there's something kind of like sad about her to me. Mm.
2: I, I had that feeling as well and then I kept wondering, like, is, but is that my judgment about the way she's living her life? Because she seems pretty fine. She seems pretty happy. And if that, if but that nothing, does she I don't The know. one thing I will say about that is it doesn't seem like she has any friends. No. And even at work it seems like the other teachers regard her it says at one point they regard her as angry. Mm. Which I don't know where that comes from. I did have a sense the whole book, though, that even though it's a third person narrator, mm-hmm. you know, usually when it's third person narrator, you like have a f- you feel like it's an unbiased perspective. It's this like bird's eye view. But I kept feeling like this third person narrator was like Janet. I still kept feeling like it was her It was giving us her perspective. So when she's saying these or when the third person narrator is saying these teachers think of her as angry, Mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, is that Janet saying that when actually they just think she's sad or they just think. Oh, interesting. She's pathetic or something, because I did get the sense that she sees herself one way and the world sees her a different way. Mm. (sighs) I wonder, though, if because there's there's
1: always this I don't know if you guys feel this way but I feel that more often than not that there's, there's a competition between women mm-hmm. women's usually don't celebrate other women which we should yeah. more often than we do Amen. and I and I I just feel that there's 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 a part of me that's that because she is so free that she is very perceptive and the way that these women are seeing her is because they just wish that they had more of what she has that ownership and that gung-ho and that just Mm -hmm. drive and that and that all these other girls look up to her and that she keeps on being nominated and awarded teacher of the year and and they're not
2: girls do the younger impressionable girls look up to her
1: Yeah. But don't you think as a teacher, you would think that you would want your students to admire you and feel like you were a a sense of inspiration for you? Definitely.
2: But it's interesting that her own peers don't see her that way.
1: But that's also her. Right. But that is her her perception. perception.
2: I will say to Emma's point, though, I'm always a little bit cautious about a woman who doesn't have female friends and who doesn't pursue female friendships. That's a little hmm. weird to me about Janet. Because she sort of speaks down about Meredith, Dave's wife. And then she also speaks pretty poorly about her own brother's wife, interestingly. well, oh, right. The brother's wife.
0: But because
1: the brother's wife, and I forgot what her name is in the story. Her, her brother was Jonathan, I think. I don't remember if she had a name. But she was very anti-Janet which I think it was because Janet was so different from her.
2: But and she Janet just didn't also understand says something it. pretty shitty to her, like right off the bat. I think I forget what it is, but her brother says something like, when are you going to find somebody? And Janet says, when are you? Like right in front of her brother's right. wife. Which like if somebody said that in front of me, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Get out of my right. house. <laughs> but
1: then again, to contradict that, can you imagine your brother telling you year after year, when are you going to find someone? Then, of course, it's like a way to kind of jab back. Yeah, exactly.
2: But Janet does seem a little bit judgmental about those two relationships. Dave's relationship with his wife and her brother's relationship with his wife. She seems to feel that these women, she describes Dave's wife as mousy. Yeah, she does. (laughs) And then she's pretty shocked when her own brother's wife Sort of stands up for mm-hmm. herself in mm-hmm. that interaction, leading me to believe that she also doesn't think much of her brother's wife.
3: True. So
2: she sort of seems to have this negative relationship, I feel like, with with these other sort of important women in her life.
0: Yeah, but I think in her mind, they're just kind of living that like day-to-day humdrum boring life. Yeah. And she totally. wants something more
2: spectacular than that. Yeah. Which, Which I totally understand. But they don't seem to want that. Dave seems really happy with his wife and her brother does also. Does he, though? I think he does. I don't know about that. Do you feel like he's happy? See,
0: because I, I had the notion that. Well, like, he cheats on his... Okay, I'm holding my glasses up because... <laughs> I wish I could take... Listen. It's a hot look. Guys. I had to take my glasses off because they were hurting <laughs> under my headphones, but I can't read my screen without them. So, like, hello. <laughs> Back to the story. Yeah. I- he, I mean, he... <laughs> I'm looking at myself and realizing that I look like a fly or like an ant. Um... I mean, he cheats on his pregnant wife, and he doesn't even seem like he wants kids. So I I keep wondering, like, it, maybe is he more suited to be with Janet than he is with Meredith? Like, why is he so adamant to stay with Meredith? Because to me, I don't think he's that
2: happy. But you think he is. Well, I'll say this. I think that this story... And probably Janet also. They don't seem very pro-marriage or pro-monogamy even. Mm. She definitely, you know, Dave cheats on his pregnant wife. Her own brother also seems like maybe a little tepid in his marriage. But other than Dave cheating on his wife, other than that act, there really isn't an indication from either of them, either of the the guys, that they're unhappy. That's just a judgment that sort of seems to come from Janet And I think it's about sex. I I think that Mm. she doesn't see any heat in those relationships. And that's what she's looking for in a relationship. Right. But I don't know that that's what they're looking for in a relationship, especially since when Dave and Janet have that little afternoon tryst where they have sex (laughs) six times or whatever. Uh. That's still not enough to deter him from saying to her that he's in love with his wife. And they've just had, from Janet's perspective, like, ridiculous, stupid, crazy sex. I've never had six times in a day, so that must be pretty crazy. And still, he's like, but I love my wife. But I beg to differ.
0: If you're cheating on her more than once,
2: how in love with them can you be? We don't know that it's more than once, but you mean because it was the six times? No, that was the second time she slept with him. But we don't know that he was with his wife. We don't know that he was with yeah, Mary at that necessary, first time. The,
1: the, yeah, the timeline.
2: We don't know the timeline for
1: that relationship. Oh, see,
0: I just figured that that was, that they were married. Yeah, I guess they don't really specify how much time went by between. Right. right. Okay, well, regardless.
1: I, so here's my thoughts on this. I actually think that, Dave decided to be with Meredith, even though he's a meteorologist, has this public appearance. People are fascinated by him because even Meredith mentions that she was obsessed with him and she was trying. She was stalking him. Oh, yeah. She stalked him, too. That's Right. right. So he is he has this persona right mm-hmm. and this there's this whole facade of he of him being at the epitome of his career and him being like telling us the weather and even though he's not the most attractive human being but women right. were going google gaga over him he had his own groupies
2: some women
1: some, some women, women <laughs> <were going Google laughs> gaga
2: over dave santana meteorologist
1: but i think he did build this kind of facade that he was a very smart family driven man Meredith for him equaled a wife with a picket fence Hmm. Janet for him equaled letting his sexual paralysis just go free letting him be all his inhibitions just like run free so I think he made the choice that for his public appearance it would be a safer bet to be with Meredith the nurse Who seemed a little mousy to some, who he'd still have good sex with, who he could eventually fall in love with, have a child with, while Janet was kind of more of the unsafe bet. She would be the one that would be kind of his superior in bed, a little bit controlling at times, and I don't know if he wanted that. Because he wanted to be in very much in control of his life. So I think that he made the choice of being with Meredith because he was really all about how he appeared to the rest, to everybody else on the outside. Mm. That's my point of view.
2: That's interesting. I mean, that kind of leads me to a question that I have, which was that there's really nothing remarkable about this guy. Right. The narrator really? tells us he's not attractive. and. Janet actually does sleep with some really attractive guys from what we hear, like some of them, you know, or even like uh, they're in fitness and stuff like that. And she even seems repulsed when men and even women that she sleeps with need sort of like affirmation from her or encouragement from her. Yes. You know, she sleeps with one of the students' teachers or sorry, one of the students' moms at a parent-teacher right. conference. Yeah. And, like, leaves when the mom is, like, needing something from her. Yeah. Yeah. But yet, when she and Dave have their afternoon of six times, she gives him a boost by asking him to shout out his own name. So that kind of leads me to the question, why is she so obsessed with him at all? Why does she care so much about Dave Santana?
0: It's interesting to me that you took... Her asking him to call out his name as a boost for him Mm -hmm. because I read that as her doing that for her own sake. Mm
2: -hmm. Interesting. That like
0: she was aroused by him being like, "I'm Dave Santana, I'm the meteorologist, Mm -hmm. like I'm Dave," and she's like, "Yeah, like I'm fucking Dave." So it's funny to me that you interpreted that, yeah, a different way. But um, well, okay. So I I will admit, I had to, (laughs) I had to Google meteorologist oh, and yeah, how they differ from a weatherman, mm-hmm. because I actually didn't know the, dif- the distinction. So the meteorologist is, uh, they're more official, right? Like they collect mm-hmm. and analyze weather data, mm-hmm. whereas the weatherman just reports the information they're given from the meteorologist. So the meteorologist is someone who provides you comfort by telling you what to expect for and knowing how the future will turn out. Um, like, she mentions that there was, like, a huge thunderstorm in the area, and he had carried them, carried the viewers yeah, through right. the storm, from the beginning of the storm to the end, right? right? So, like, he's reliable and steadfast. But, and again, I think this brings it back to why I felt like she was kind of a sad character. Um, She says that she's aroused by their synchronicity. Mm -hmm. of only teaching their audience so much Mm -hmm. that they share disappointment. Like, he is sad that he can't continue the conversation, where she is sad that she can only take her students so far, and then it's out of her control. Um, She does also say that men from the Northeast, she keeps hitting on that in the beginning, that he's from the Northeast, and he talks about the Nor'easters, yeah. Yeah. That men from the Northeast are practical and that they could handle anything. And I think that this might be a little too I don't know like easy but I think that she just kind of likes that man that can carry them through a storm and oh interesting so I I totally
1: am agreeing with you on Emma with this because I feel that I've always been attracted to career-driven men to passionate men to very confident men Mm -hmm. and that kind of leads me back to Brandy's question where her obsession was that. It was the the, the synchronicity that both mm. of them were so obsessed about their career and they mm. wanted the best. They wanted to inform and show the best and continue with that. They wanted to be on, at the top of everything. Yeah. And the other point to that is you're going to get obsessed with someone that you can't have. Point blank. If you can't get the prize, you're going to be going after the prize over and over and over again. No matter how unattractive the prize ends up becoming, even if they were (laughs) when they were having sense and she was the the one that was not aroused or he was the one that needed a little extra boost. It doesn't matter. He was the prize. She was going to make it happen because she wanted the prize. So I think her obsession was behind that.
0: Yeah, I wonder, like, if she ended up getting with him, if she would even be happy being with him in the long term. Or is this right. just, like, a quick tryst that she's interested in?
2: So I have this crazy little theory. <laughs> and I feel, like, I feel like I'm always the one who goes off on these, like, little symbolic, like, Whoa. these little symbolism tangents. <laughs> Do it, chica, tell us. But I am sure the writer 100% intended this. Um, I... I th- I have a theory that Janet is like a nor'easter, which is the storm that Dave mm. is reporting about when she first, when we come into the picture, when the reader starts following her story, there's this quote in the book that says, There was nothing quite as exciting to her as when meteorologist Dave Santana mm. let the word nor'easter roll out of his mouth, all yeah. juicy with meaning and menace, like a slick tongue. mm And I thought presumably this excites her because it means she'll be seeing a lot more of Dave's weather reporting as the storm rolls in. You know, he's going to be there 24-7 reporting on the Nor'easter. But symbolically, Hmm. Nor'easters thrive on and pick up strength from cold air. Hmm. And Janet seems to thrive on coldness, too, not just when Dave is cold to her, but even when she's walking outside in the middle of the winter in her in her uh
3: slippers
2: her slippers slippers. and her robe that's showing doing and she's like whatever i'm always hot so i feel like she's like a storm wreaking havoc and anarchy on the world and meteorologist dave santana can read that that nor'easter that storm like a book he knows the second he warms up to her she's not gonna want him anymore
0: brandy i i love that that (laughs) is the epitome of script analysis yes it is thank you like (laughs) everything just made sense after that like i feel that because i kept thinking like they kept making references as i mentioned earlier they keep making references to how everyone's like aren't you cold like your feet are out in the winter and Mm -hmm. i was like surely the author is putting this in here for a reason, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Right, that makes perfect sense. She is the storm. She's
1: the northeastern. Damn that weather! And
0: I think that's damn that weather. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! <laughs> we all just had the same thought. Cheers! Salute!
1: <laughs>
2: oh my God, Brandy! Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think that's also why she's maybe so disliked by some of her coworkers and sure. stuff like that because she one hundred percent lives life however Ever the she fuck wants she wants to live it, which is exactly how a hurricane or a tornado operates like true. They don't really care what's in the path of destruction. They're Take just no prisoners. no, they don't
1: they don't care about the repercussions. Yeah. they just go for it. Whatever I hit, I hit and I hit hard <laughs> right, yeah. right. Hey guys, I'm wondering. Um, uh oh! Oh god, <laughs> she
2: sounds like trouble. I know. Let me take another sip. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I always bring these questions. That just just chug it, Emma. Just chug it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm curious. Have you guys ever had? A Dave Santana in your life? No. Have you guys ever been obsessed (laughs) or pining over someone? It doesn't matter. Male, female, whoever, at any point in your lives. And what do you feel about that situation now? Hmm? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody?
0: (sighs) like <laughs> i have two <laughs> two people that come to mind, but they're not very exciting i guess well,
1: i it didn't also really be celebrity if you ra- if it, it it wasn't someone oh, that you well, personally well i mean like my obvious but I feel like celebrity it's kind of
2: funny if they're not exciting <laughs> because like why were you so upset? you know what i mean like it's like sure. why are you so obsessed if they're- it's the same thing with Dave Santana why is she so obsessed if it's not uh, exciting it's that weird like how did you get stuck on that? Yeah. The, yeah. The first person that comes to
0: mind that I didn't necessarily like pine after, but I had a huge crush on my sixth grade history teacher. And <gasps> oh, what's really yes. embarrassing is like, I can't even remember his name, <laughs> <laughs> but I can picture him. And I used to tell, I went to an all girl middle school. And so oh you I know, didn't to know have, that. Yeah. Th- my mom actually co-founded Oh right, right, Aww. right! Fun fact, right. but um, and and even more like fun fact: the the school was so small, and we didn't even have like the normal space for a while, and so our first week of school was held in my living room. It was literally <gasps> twelve of us.
1: Oh my goodness! And
0: uh, it was really special. But our, so my history teacher was like in my house. And it was me and eleven other girls, and then this oh, like sexy man. I thought he was sexy. Ugh. I can't. I can't believe I can't remember his name, but I remember telling my friends he has these like beady blue eyes because I didn't even know what beady meant. Oh, I ju- it just sounded like a sexy Emma. thing to say. And then the other person that came to mind directly was, um... <laughs> oh boy. Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Prince
2: Eric was hot, though. Right. He was hot. And you look like
1: Ariel, so this is
2: perfect. Oh, Oh my God. God. I didn't even put that together. You totally look like Ariel. What? That's a good thing. Well, then. Fuck
0: Ricardo. Uh, Where is Prince Eric? Ricardo kind of looks he like kind Prince of does. Eric, he does. I actually realized that. <laughs> he totally does <laughs> like, the light eyes, the dark hair. I know, it's oh, weird. Oh my god. But I had a total crush on cartoon Eric.
2: That's so, incredible. Not that exciting. I mean, I can't fault you for that one. I watched, I rewatched the Little Mermaid recently and so, still my... as an adult. He's hot as fuck. He's he is hot. As as thank you. Okay. Hot. 100%. Thanks. Can't fault you for that I'm, one. I'm all in it. <laughs> all for it, Emma. Thanks, girls. Uh, Randy, admit it. I'm ashamed of no. my Dave Santana. Uh, so, Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so my Dave of Santana was in a two year break that I took between my freshman and sophomore years at NYU. Mm-hmm. I worked at a Starbucks uh, in the village that's actually not even there anymore. Uh, and there was a bike messenger <laughs> slash marijuana delivery boy Oh, who would stop in to our store <laughs> and do the crossword puzzle between his runs. <gasps> that is so sexy. And he was older than me. And I thought he was so hot. And I was so uh. obsessed with him. And we had this sleazy back and forth for a while or whatever. But, but wait, I'm a honest, sleazy back and forth. Like yeah, for is that just weird because we it was It was sort of like Janet with with Dave Santana. Like, there was never any commitment there. He Uh, clearly was not invested in it in any kind of a way. Like, we were just. But did you hook up? up? oh, oh my god pleasure all the oh, way you did <laughs> yeah this went on for like almost a year i feel like where wow. i was I, like i wanted him so badly but now when i look back on it i'm like there are so many red flags about this guys so you guys one time i remember and it was one of the first times we were hanging out i was at his apartment and his boss called his boss Oh, Oh. and his roommates were also runners for the same company. And his boss was like, oh, I want you guys come over or whatever. So we end up in the back of an SUV. This is one of my first times hanging out with this guy. Oh, my God. We end up in the back of an SUV. And his boss has us put like cloth sacks over our heads. What? Because he doesn't want us to know where he lives. (gasps) Oh. And I was like, "Okay, totally fine." We all did it, and it was sort of a joke. You know what I mean? Because it's like Brooklyn. Like as soon as we got out of the car, like we all know where we are or whatever. But what does that
0: mean? (laughs)
2: You know, it's (laughs) Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn. (laughs) Oh, I'll kill you both. No, literally one of the guys like ran over to the street sign and was like, we know where you live. Like, here's a street sign, whatever. But it was such a weird thing to do. And I just did it with no question in my head because I was so obsessed with this guy that I was just like, sure, I get to hang out with you, whatever. (laughs) And I feel like if I could go back at, like, it embarrasses me to tell that story because I feel like if I could go back and slap the crap out of that girl, I'd be like... Wake up! Like, what the heck are you doing? Like, yeah, you know ah, what I mean. It's part of growing up. It is, and I was totally young, is. So that's yeah. my re- that's my real Dave Santana. My celebrity Dave Santana is actually, and I think you guys will agree with me. It's Andrew Cuomo. <gasps> Once we started watching the press conferences yes. when he was dealing with this pandemic, and oh my God. I feel that. Andrew Cuomo, could get he it. is a man—a man, a <laughs> man with 100%. words, hundred percent words yeah. and
0: actions. Yes. Yep. Big
2: okay, time. Mariana, you asked the question. Let's <laughs> hear yeah, it. Truth or
1: dare? Okay. <laughs> well, I even asked my husband Andrew if it was okay for me to splurge on this one. <laughs> Just go, oh my all God! <laughs> oh. Because okay, so long story short. When I was a junior in high school, I came to New York to do a summer dance program here in New York. And this is where I first met my real Dave Santana. He actually asked me out on a date. I refused because at that point I was like, "Uh, you're cute, but I don't really, I mean, all right. (laughs) Fast forward to my freshman year of college, we ended up being in the same BFA program. And all of a sudden, the tables turn when he started ignoring me. See about the obsession (gasps) when someone is not giving you the time of day. And then you're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And then someone being at the top of their field, because he was an unbelievable dancer. You could also tell that he had a very, like, like bad edge to him like he was kind of the bad boy mariana is so also kind of yes is it mikhail is?
2: baryshnikov just tell us right now i can't
0: him. say <laughs> I mariana can't say. is 65 <laughs> <laughs> I wait can't is it
1: somebody we would know it would someone both of you would know travis well. i think i think some both of you would know oh maybe or uh, maybe know things that he has done anyway so, freshman year of college, mm. we end up getting set up and partnering in one of our freshman pieces, and it was like dirty dancing to the top
0: yes. um, <laughs> dirty dancing odd. in a different connotation, yeah, it was, it
1: was dirty on dancing
0: stage that we were partnered
1: and Things happen behind the scenes. And I will never forget our first kiss. (gasps) And all my freshman year, I was pining and obsessing over him. Unfortunately, our relationship didn't work because there were friendships that kind of came into play. Because a lot of, not a lot, but there were several other women that kind of got in the way. So it was, I could relate very much to Janet at this point. Because there was only so much I could do. I could either be the nice woman and kind of step aside for the benefit of everybody as a whole or oh. continue with my obsession of someone that I had a pretty passionate relationship with.
2: Oh my God. Passionate so,
1: relationship. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds
0: sexy. Now I want
2: to know. It was very it
1: sexy. And I know. now looking back, I'm glad I had that experience because I went for it and little did I know that someone who had rejected him at, from the first initial encounter, would then be someone that I really was like, "Wow, you are someone special." So you you just never Ugh, know.
0: Way Aww. to make it nice. <laughs> we <Way>, like <laughs> bring it back to something cute.
1: Nothing compared to hu- to my husband Andrew. Just pretty exactly. Out there. <laughs> we love Andrew. We love Andrew. But it's interesting to hear our versions of who. Oh, and my celebrity uh, Dave
2: Santana, Bill Clinton. There was something about <gasps> him really? Oh my! It's the saxophone, isn't it? Yeah, that southern drawl. There that was something about him saxophone. when I was a
1: teenager that I was like, he is one. Wait,
2: before Monica Lewinsky or after Monica Lewinsky? Oh, before Monica Lewinsky. Okay, so you lost it after Monica Lewinsky. I was like,
1: Ey. I still, I still, huh. I still am a fan of Bill, but mm-hmm. that kind of took it down mm-hmm. a notch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> interesting. I'm not sure if I'm buying that it took it down a notch. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be
1: politically correct.
2: <laughs> 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 anyway, oh, I only have my. one sip of this left. Oh, Bye cheers to you, I, Emma. Cheers. I finished Randy. mine a long time ago, but cheers.
0: I know I did
1: too. I'm I'm Sal- salute to air.
0: Salute. Here's to being three independent, sexual prowess ladies with opinions and passions.
2: That's all. Amen. Yeah. Bye. Cheers. I don't know if that's an amen. I'll cheers to it. <laughs> yeah. That's cheers. really what I said. <laughs> Mine is just a yum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you to Jimmy Fontanez and MediaWrite Productions, as well as Text Me Records for our music. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at DrunkBooksPod to keep up with what our next book club pick is and what our cocktail pairing will be so that you can sip along with us, because it's always happy hour here. Ay, ay. L'chaim <laughs> Salud ladies <laughs> Amen <laughs> Wow an oldie but a goodie you guys Seriously I loved it <laughs> That Janet crazy. Oh. Loved every bit of it Yeah, absolutely
1: And guys, I want to share quickly with you Now that we are kind of here, kind of not But recording We have surpassed yeah. a thousand downloads Since what? this inception Yes Whoa. So thank you all yes. for me listening Really yes. And we That's also amazing. received another rave review Big shout out to Lee Likes Pride Lynch. Lee likes brunch. We love you. <laughs> she feels like yes, she's we. out in the town with her best girlfriends when she joins us for happy hour. So oh, totally, we that. are here. We are your besties. And we really appreciate you tuning in.
0: Next week, we're going to be picking back up with our usual. We are starting our new oh, book of real life by Brandon Taylor. So excited. I know. So for our first episode for this book, we're going to be reading chapters one and two. That goes up until page 100. Three if you have the hardback copy of the book. And make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Are These Books Drunk? if you're not already to find out what ooh, ooh, the cocktail pairing will be for that episode so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's, it's
2: always happy, happy hour, hour here. here. <laughs> <laughs> happy 1,000, ladies. Yay. Yay.